You're listening to the Know the Cause podcast with Doug Kaufman. Visit us online at knowthecause.com and join the conversation at facebook.com slash knowthecause. Joining us on this podcast is someone I befriended several years ago. Her name is Deborah Bain, MD. Dr. Bain went into a field that I decided many, many years ago I would never go into when I was working on wards in the U.S. Navy, uh, getting my certification as a corpsman, and that is pediatrics. Uh, uh, I vowed after a few months working in pediatrics, I was never going to get married, let alone have kids. Uh, But you fall in love with these little children. Welcome to the show, Dr. Bain. Thank you for having me. It's so good to see you. You and I get to chat from time to time through the years. You are the busiest doctor I think I know. And your center, and by the way, it's Healthy Kids Pediatrics, both plural, kidspediatrics.com. You got a thing going there. Man, that is, how do you maintain your sanity and look as good as you do after all of these years? Uh, that's a tough. That's a tough practice to be in. You know, I, I rely on divine energy <laughs> some days. Exactly, and I met a couple of the people you worked with. You've hired to help. Um, let's talk a little bit. Being that busy, Monday through probably Saturday. Um, what do you see the most, and how has it changed in the couple of decades you've been in practice? What did you see 20 years ago as opposed to what you see now as a pediatrician? Well, 21 years ago when I started my practice, I was a general pediatrician. So we would see well checkups and sick kids, and we would basically have that whole protocol-driven, Band-Aid fix model of medicine. Mm -hmm. Over the years, I've become a functional medicine doctor. What does that mean? It means that we actually get to the root of disease. We figure out the underlying deficiencies or the toxic burdens or their immune system uh, dysfunction and we repair and restore their health and get them back on track. So now I see more chronic diseases than ever, not just because I attract that in my practice, but honestly because over these last 20 or so years, the increased burden of chronic disease in pediatrics is astronomical. Well, I would think any parent in the world with a child, let's take eczema, for example. With a child with eczema, which folks, you think that's a skin disease because it shows up on the skin, but these skin problems can be much deeper in that, and I'll ask Dr. Bain to elaborate on that, but, but any parent with a child who is sick doesn't want another cortisone shot, you know, doesn't want another antibiotic. They want it fixed, and it seems to me, you use the word functional, I really like that. It seems to me that functional medicine is where all doctors, uh, be it pediatrics or psychiatry, would want to go to fix a problem instead of medicating a problem. That means you see the child, you know, through the months and try and steer it in the right direction. You feel pretty competent that we've got... um, the right tools now with probiotics and vitamin E's and supplements and so forth that we can help these children? Absolutely, I see it every day. But tell me, tell me, uh, your average child that comes in with, uh, let's just take you know, a dermatologic disease like eczema, um, you'll see them initially, and do the parents think they're there to get some tar 
put on it and a shot of cortisone and then off they go? Or do they know when they come in that you're a doctor that's going to work with them through the months? Right. I attract people actually from all the bordering states that come to me specifically for my functional medicine I would, expertise. I would know why. So uh, when we see a new onset you know, kid with, with severe eczema, I mean, these are babies. These are one or two month olds that have skin that they look like a lobster and their yeah. skin is all peeling and, and, and they're, uh, they're very unhealthy. Uh, but we do an initial intake. We do some specialized uh, food sensitivity testing or we'll do some uh, some alternative methods of figuring out what their food sensitivities are and uh, start with gut health. You know, okay. it's all about the gut. 70% of the immune system's in the gut. So if they were born, say, by C-section, they don't have, they haven't inherited the complement of normal bacteria that they need. Right. So, through and the then vaginal through tract, vaginal right? birth, right. 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 Uh, or mom gets on an antibiotic during the pregnancy, during the delivery, when she's breastfeeding, then you've killed off even more gut flora that you may never get back mm. or they may never have established in the first place. And then the baby gets on antibiotics and then the baby you know, gets ear infections or whatever. It's a, it's a, it's a very feed-forward cycle of illness that uh, we can basically stop, start probiotics, restore the gut health. We have some uh, healing um, supplements that we use to fix the leaky gut and we restore the full, normal, healthy baby back to the parent. There's a sentiment out there that kids who have leaky gut weren't breastfed. They didn't get the colostrum right from the breast the first couple of days from mom. Is that a true statement? I, I've heard that in meetings that I go uh, to through the years that as a general statement, if your child has food allergies, food sensitivities, he therefore or she therefore has a leaky gut and that's because they didn't get the first few days of the very thick milk that comes out of mom's breast uh, being colostrum. Is that true or do you find uh, that uh, that's not? I think it's partially true, but I okay. think there's so many other factors that are there involved. Are. Yeah. You know, because plan A is vaginal birth, right? right. And breastfeeding yep. and getting that first colostrum yep. to, to set that immune system. Plan B, if you had to have a C-section and it was not your fault, right? right? Then you give the baby probiotics, or mom takes high dose probiotics, specifically, uh, you know, hypoallergenic kind of strains of, mm -hmm. you know, certain supplements. And, and then the, you know, Plan C, if you have to go there, is formula-fed yep, yep. C-section babies. Wow. And then I would directly give the baby a probiotic. Yeah. And maybe a few other supplements, but those babies do just as well in my practice than the moms that were breastfeeding. That's uh, awesome. That had a vaginal birth yeah. because we are keeping everything in uh, in balance. So many people ask me to ask you this. Uh, we actually uh, know patients of yours, and that's why we asked mm -hmm. you to be here. They love you out there. Neurologically speaking, I know there are neurotoxins. Penicillin happens to be one. There, there are neurotoxins these kids are being exposed to. What in the world has happened since you and I were babies in this explosion of neurological symptoms that a pediatrician now has to see? And most pediatricians aren't uh, functional doctors, so off these kids go to a psychologist, uh, et cetera. Have you noticed in the 21 years you've been in practice just a, an increase, a dramatic increase in the number of cases of neurological diseases these kids have? Absolutely. So uh, I see every single itis has increased. Okay, we're going to, you know, it, it's a genetic predisposition. 
it's uh, nutritional deficiencies, it's um, uh, bad gut health, toxic exposure in the environment. If you add all of those things up, you have a, the genetics and maybe food intolerances and, and environmental toxins, you add all that, then every child is now more at risk of every itis, otitis, sinusitis, bronchitis, rhinitis, dermatitis, encephalitis, even wow. autoimmune disease, which is your enteritis is like your Crohn's and celiac, your arthritis is, um, you know, Hashimoto's thyroiditis, right. for example, is epidemic right now. I have a two-year-old with nuanced celiac disease. I just diagnosed this week a child with lupus, and she's a teenager. Uh, I mean, they all have their story behind how they got there, but there is an overwhelming burden in our pediatric kids, and basically something has to change to get them well. Autism. I'll never forget, I talked with a doctor at Cornell who was associate professor of neurology, who had written a book, and in this book he said, we, my partners and I don't understand why, uh, but when we give these, uh, these autistic children Nystatin, their symptoms begin to dissipate. And I was so excited to hear that because all Nystatin does is kill fungus. You hit it on the head when you said gut. Do you see in celiac, of course you see gut problems, do you see in uh, other conditions, a gut basis to most of these diseases, and does that mean, Dr. Bain, that they're eating wrong, or they got a poor start at life, or they are dealt a wrong hand with DNA? Why are we seeing all of these health problems in tiny beings? Uh, I honestly think it has a lot to do with just antibiotic exposure after antibiotic exposure, and those busy general pediatricians that, honestly, they think they're doing the right thing, right? Yeah. They diagnose that ear infection, they get another antibiotic, or they give that first antibiotic, it doesn't go away, they give the second antibiotic, then the kid ends up with a yeast infection. Now they have colonization with yeast, and then they just keep chasing their tail. Well, then they end up going to the ENT to get their ear tubes after five ear infections. I mean, I saw an autistic kid yesterday as a new patient, and this was his story. Five different antibiotics, got the ear tubes, had um, terrible skin, bad gut health, and then somewhere along the line, his genetic predisposition possibly, uh, or just that severe nutritional deficiency, that yeast overgrowth in his gut, there, there's a combination of things that causes that perfect storm that causes these kids to go down that route. But if I have a new onset autistic kid, I always say, did you have colic as a baby? Yes. Did you have eczema as a baby? Yes. Did you have ear infections? Yes. You know, it, all the, the same itises were a predictable cycle of things that caused them to eventually have a big whammo. You know, it could be, a, you know, a severe vitamin D deficiency, for example, yeah. Yeah. causing kids to, you know, have, you know, they, they have cancer or they evolved into an autoimmune disease. I see vitamin D as a predictable, uh, you know, Factor in factor. the in the in the kids. I, I'm just blown away by this, because we think of these guts, celiac. We think of Crohn's and IBS, and we think of cutaneous problems, skin problems. We think of depression and not being able to put numbers together and and mm -hmm. so forth, as adult problems. I would have never thought mm -hmm. when I entered this field 45 years ago, that a pediatrician would be sitting here with me talking about, you know, thyroiditis. These are little, these are 20 month old people. 
and yet we're seeing this. If, if you were to summarize, and I'm encouraging you to write a book, you and I spoke a couple of years ago, and I know you have the busiest practice in Texas anyway, but um, I would love to see a book come out because I would study that book because this is extraordinary. Number one, that a physician in pediatrics knows the word functional medicine. There's something functionally wrong systemically in these kids who have skin problems. A dermatologist looks at their skin. Here, put this on the skin without ever knowing that it's the antibiotic after antibiotic and it's the brain-fixing drugs that kids are on and so forth that are contributing to a lot of this. But this blows me away that so many... Do you Are you able in your clinic to help autistic children? What do you think the basis of that is? Again, 20, 30 years ago, we just didn't see it. Now it's all over the place. Right. You know, I mean, it's the same sort of risk factors. Really? Honestly. Same things. It's just over and over again, the same itises, and they just have that, you know, the genetics plus environment plus, you know, their poor diet, for example, um, you know, their complement of bacteria in the gut. I mean, it's all interrelated. So I can reverse that through something that I created called the seven R's of healing. Okay, it's to recognize that itises are reversible. That gives the parent hope that we can fix these things as... I mean, honestly, is as restore as much function as possible. Okay, I can't say I can cure everything, but certainly right. we, you know, we have a lot more tools yep. in a functional medicine practice. What, what is a general question again? But we only have so much time. What are the easiest problems to fix in your practice, and what have become the most difficult? Right. So. Eczema is certainly pretty easy to okay, fix. Good. Uh, asthma. Uh, very easy. Chronic respiratory infections, easy. Autism, you know, in the first 18 months, two years of life, you know, when I diagnose kids like that that are just kind of deviating from normal development, yeah. Yeah. I can turn that ship around pretty quickly. But if I have an 11-year-old that comes to me, like I've had autism, I, you know, since I was two, ooh, I kind of do as much as I can and punt to those uh, super specialists that I have in, in my, uh, you know, group mm -hmm. of people that I know, I send to. And do, um, do patients know when they come to you that it's going to take a while? Or are they expecting, do some parents just bring well babies in for a checkup or little coughs and sinus problems and so forth? Do they know that you're there to fix it, not to treat it? Absolutely. They do. I attract... <laughs> a certain population of people that they know when they walk in the door, they've already looked at my video on my website as a introduction of this is what we do here. And people who don't want that approach don't understand what a functional medicine doctor is, they don't come. Yeah. Uh, and so they know I'm not going to give them that Band-Aid fix, that antibiotic. We're going to start with natural remedies. We're going to start with you know, all sorts of things to, you know, support the immune system, yep. but never going to the antibiotic as a first line. Dr. Bain is here uh, because we've invited her in. Uh, we talk to so many of her patients and they smile ear to ear because they've run from doctor to doctor to doctor and they finally get the problem resolved by seeing her. She's a different kind of a pediatrician. If you'd like more information on her or what she does, you can go to Healthy Kids Pediatrics. Healthy with a Y, kids with an S, pediatrics, everything plural, uh, dot com, healthykidspediatrics.com. 
thank you for coming in. Uh, we're going to now film, by the way, many segments, so you can go to the website and see Dr. Bain's segments on knowthecause.com and learn more about her practice. She's now going to give us the date that her book is coming out. No. <laughs> We've been talking about this. I have the same problem. It's in the works. It's you in the works. You get so busy. Life comes along. But a book from Dr. Bain, I would absolutely love to help her promote because of the tenderness, the, the loving nature of her practice and, and her personality. Thank you for coming in. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Know the Cause podcast with Doug Kaufman. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment to give us a five-star rating on iTunes or tell a friend. For more, visit us online at knowthecause.com or like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash knowthecause.